gates open, off and stylish sensory state in the gate. There's Bo Rogue being set alight immediately by Cyril Small and racing to the lead. But Bo Rogue won't give up, he's still in front. Groucho's grabbing him now. Groucho coming at Bo Rogue, don't play, getting a rails run. Bo Rogue in front, he's got a heart as big as himself. He'll win, Bo Rogue! Bo Rogue has cracked it at last. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The Everest Spectacular is all over for another year, but the Spring Racing Carnival is far from finished. Saturday 23rd features the inaugural Invitation, a 1,400 metre showcase event worth $2 million for fillies and mares. Invitations have already been accepted by the connections of some quality mares, while other owners and trainers are keeping an eye on their daily emails. The Invitation will be supported by the $1 million Bondi stakes for the three-year-olds and stakes races like the Brian Crowley and the City Tats Cup. The action switches to Rose Hill on October 30 for the $7.5 million Golden Eagle for the four-year-olds at set weights. Co-feature will be the classic legend stakes worth $1 million with an extra million should the Everest winner happen to complete the double. One week after that, November the 6th, it's Rose Hill again when the program features a $1 million two-year-old race, the Golden Pendant. November the 13th, the spotlight will swing north to Newcastle for the third running of The Hunter, worth $1 million. Racing fans don't know where to look next. Highlights galore as another memorable Sydney Spring Carnival rolls on. Keegan Latham was a complete stranger to Randwick track work regulars when he turned up at the trainer's hut one morning early in 2017. He and partner Nancy Ashcroft had arrived unheralded from the UK where Keegan had been battling for recognition as a professional jockey. Nancy, who was now Mrs Keegan Latham, was the one to suggest that they should try their luck in Australia. Gay Waterhouse was the only trainer Keegan recognised and he nervously approached her with an offer to ride some work. After a brief conversation, Keegan suddenly found himself on one of Gay's horses seeking directions to the A-grass. Two months later, she told him he could ride a filly called Savapinski in a maiden on the Beaumont track at Newcastle. Savapinski won that race and the monkey was off Keegan Latham's back. In just four and a half seasons, he's ridden 288 New South Wales winners. Last season, he was the top provincial jockey in the state with 101. An outstanding achievement for the South African-born rider who less than five years ago was contemplating his future. But in less than a heartbeat, Keegan's run of success came to an abrupt halt when a first starter called Who Loves to Dance crashed without warning at the 500-metre mark in a Hawkesbury maiden. He finished up in Westmead Hospital with fractures to the neck and back, a broken collarbone and severe concussion. He had to wear a neck brace for several weeks and surgery was required for his broken collarbone. Nine weeks on, Keegan's in good spirits and champing at the bit to get back into the saddle. Keegan Lady Luck was so generous in the old season and so brutal in the early part of the new season. You wouldn't believe it could happen. No, unfortunately that is the racing game, uh, and I believe uh, this earth that we live on is round for a reason, uh, and... Um, 
you know, our luck can change from time to time, but um, you can't let it get you down. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, um, every jockey has a fall at some point in their career. And uh, I suppose uh, it just shows how strong a character is uh, to see mm. how quickly you can get back up again. That horse, Who Loves to Dance, was a 100-to-1 pop, and it was no surprise when he was back last in the early stages, but you were tailed off when he went down. Did you feel anything at all that suggested he was going to fall? No, not at all. Um, you know, it was a horse. Gary Moore has been giving me a few rides recently, and um, it was a horse that was only having its first start, so I was just mm-hmm. kind of giving it an introduction run into into the, into, the, into racing. Um and to be honest, I'm quite grateful that I did that because um, it might have been a hell of a lot worse uh, had I been any closer than Ronnie when it came down mm. uh, and might have, you know, potentially brought down a few riders with me. So mm. I'm grateful that uh, it did happen at the back of the field mm. um, and that it didn't cause any any sort of uh, incident to any other horse. No, he dropped like a stone, didn't he? There, there wasn't a minute's warning, not a moment's warning. Yes, definitely. And, you know, just like you mentioned before, uh, I obviously woke up in, in hospital concussed and, uh, um, you know, trying to figure out what exactly happened. And I assumed the horse had, uh, you know, a fatal injury, which, uh, to my surprise, uh, it never, it actually ended up getting up and cantering away and mm. never had a problem with it at all. Uh, I know the stewards did inspect the track afterwards to see if, uh, if something a parent had gone wrong, but uh, no, not at all. Uh, just one of those, mm. you know, one in a million shots of a, a horse just just literally stumbling over its own legs. Mm. The horse has actually raced since, I think, might have had a run at Goulburn. Yes, I think it actually ran a very, very good race. Uh, I think, um, to my recollection, I think it ran third uh, and will probably be not too far from winning the race. You've been able to get rid of the neck brace recently and the collarbone surgery was successful. So what are the doctors saying? Have you set a date? So the I'm going for one more x-ray on my neck uh, on the 10th of November. Um, it's pretty much just a precautionary um, um, x-ray to see if I can get back to racing. Uh, you know, I'm pretty pretty sure that it'll be good. Uh, each day that passes, my neck is getting better and better. So hopefully by the time that that date comes, you can give me the go-ahead to start riding some some work again mm. and uh, just get me up, you know, straight back up to fitness. Mm. At what stage of last season did you suddenly realise the century was in your grasp? Um, the funny thing is, is because we had had uh, 85 winners the season before, uh, you know, I always believe that you should – set yourself targets, but not overthink your targets. Um, but um, before the season started, myself and my manager, Ryan Roberts, um, we decided to try and chase the provincial championship and attempt to reach a century of winners, you know. And, uh, you know, thankfully, um, it was always the goal. Um, I don't think there was any point in the season that I didn't think I was going to get it. Um, mm. I've been very lucky that um, suspensions – uh, were were very few and far between, and uh, obviously had no injuries. So, you know, I was always kind of on track to to get the hundred. Um, and if anything, I probably thought I would have got a few more than just the the one hundred and one, mm. um, had it not been for the COVID lockdown. It's quite surreal, isn't it? In many ways, you must be pinching yourself walking around at home there. Most definitely, you know, I think that's. Uh, 
you know, to think that, um, you know, I was just a few years ago thinking of, of hanging up my boots and, mm. and trying to, and trying to think of another career. But, uh, you know, I can't thank all of the people in Australia that have supported me uh, enough. Um, I think that, uh, um, everybody's, you know, that supported me has, uh, you know, always had a lot of belief in me and, uh, faith in me. And, uh, I can only thank, thank them that I, I've been able to repay that. Mm. You grew up in Kloof which is a suburb of Durban in South Africa. What was your earliest involvement with horses? Um, so when I was a, a kid, um, I was obviously very uh, into sports after school. Uh, wasn't the most academic kid in the world. Um, so a friend of mine's um, father used to be a jockey and it turned into a jockey's manager mm-hmm. and he kept offering me um, the opportunity to for, for an interview at the Jockey Academy in Durban. And um, it got to a point where I decided, you know, I was only 14 years old back then. So, you know, you're, you're a person that doesn't have a lot of choices um, because you're not quite an adult just yet. Mm. But uh, we just decided to give it a go. And once I got accepted, uh, kind of never looked back. Mm. Well, that South African Jockeys Academy has become world-famous, Keegan, because it has launched so many stellar careers. I hear the discipline was ferocious, but looking back now, it appears to have done you no harm. No, not at all. You know, um, that is the one thing about being an apprentice jockey is, you know, you go from a a 15-year-old kid to a 16-year-old adult. You know, you've You've literally got to grow up overnight uh, in order to, you know, interact with owners professionally and with trainers too. And, um, yeah, the Jockey Academy can be quite a ferocious place. Mm. A lot of people put you in line very early on. And some kids in my year and other years before and after me uh, end up breaking and would rather go home Mm. to carry on their normal uh, youth. Um, But others, you know, obviously, you know, uh, I was always up to – up to the challenge of something new, and uh, I found that you got to have a pretty, pretty strong mentality to uh, mature quickly. And uh, thankfully, uh, it, it all, it all ended up working out for me. The academy arranged your apprenticeship to a man called Duncan Howells, who actually provided your first winner. Horse's name was Rebel Patriot at Scottsville. Glyn Schofield was telling me only recently. Uh, that this was the track where he rode his first winner too, Scotchville. You thought that day would never come. Yes, uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. In fact, I've still got my winning photo in my house here. Um, so um, it's, it, it seemed like only just yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, I was actually talking to, to Duncan Howells the other day because um, he used to train a horse called Via Africa that was a very good horse. Uh, in South Africa, and its son ended up winning um, a, a group one here the other day in the Congo. Goodness me! So yes. it's quite it's quite a the racing game can tend to be quite a small world. Mm, hence the name in the Congo. Yes. Well, your indentures were transferred later to the legendary trainer Mike de Kock, who now has a presence in Victoria. Back then, Keegan, apparently he had a massive team of horses in more than one stable too, I think. Yes, this is true. He had uh, uh, he had two different stables, a Johannesburg stable and a Durban stable, probably about as big as each other. Um, mm. And 
he was he was the boss that you wanted as an apprentice because uh, he wasn't afraid to to put you on horses uh, and even when it came to big races and even though I still had a claim he wasn't afraid uh, to put you on those races where your claim didn't you didn't uh, use your claim um, but if he had faith in you it gave you the option to have faith in yourself because someone of his of his stature believed in you. Uh, he was obviously a very, very good trainer, mm. still is a very good trainer. And uh, I was very, very fortunate to, um, you know, be a part of his team back then. He got you going and it wasn't long before other stables were starting to chase your services. And he was very generous too in allowing you to ride work for other trainers, wasn't he? Yes, definitely. I think it works. It's a bit of a different system in South Africa to to Australia. You know, you're not really assigned to um, a stable. You kind of, they decide to use you without anything on pen and paper. So when their horses aren't being worked, it gives you the freedom to to ride as much work for other trainers as well. Mm. But there's no doubt that um, working for a, a trainer like him and him giving the opportunities that, you, that I got um, – it just kind of opens other trainers' eyes. And if you are riding winners for him, well, then you're nearly good enough for everybody else. Of course. You rode about 100 winners all up in South Africa, including a Group 2 and a Group 3. But a surprise offer from another country sorely tempted you. The United Arab Emirates. Trainer's name was Herman Brown, and Michael de Kock encouraged you to have a crack at it. Yeah, you know, uh, I ended up um, just about finishing my my apprenticeship, and um, I was riding a few winners for Herman Brown. He was like my my second stable that gave me quite a few winners, and uh, he offered me the chance to to go work for him in in uh, the in Dubai. But I think probably what was even more um, of uh, what it was more even interesting for me was the fact that um, Ryan Moore, you know, everybody knows Ryan Moore has been Coolmore shocking now, was actually his stable jockey at the time. And uh, although he was only a few years older than me, he had already won the British Championship. And I thought that as much as it was an opportunity for me to ride internationally, it, I could also use the opportunity to learn from him when mm. riding work with him. Mm. One of the best in the world. 100%. You won a race called the President's Cup in Dubai for purebred Arab horses, but you tell me it is actually recognised as a legitimate Group One. This is true. Um, they are they are just purebred animals. <laughs> they, they do take a, a a bit longer to to do that last four hundred metres. But um, yeah, I was lucky enough to to be given a, an opportunity on on a horse that. Um, probably felt more like a thoroughbred than a, than an Arab horse. He was a good little horse, Dynamite. Mm. And uh, he was lucky enough to uh, win a group one for me there. And uh, the race now is still recognised as probably the best uh, group one to win in the, the United Arab Emirates. Mm. During that time in Dubai, you became very friendly with the great English jockey, John Murtagh, who dangled another carrot in front of your eyes, he suggested you should go to Ireland. Yes, this is this is exactly how the story has happened. Um, I was doing very well over in uh, in Dubai, and uh, we actually tussled against each other uh, in a few photo finishes in Dubai uh, when he was riding for a different stable, and uh, I obviously caught the attention of him, um, and he suggested I go to Ireland for a, 
mm. a stable that he used to ride for, um, as he had just um, signed up to be Coolmore's number one jockey back then. And uh, I didn't have anything to lose. I thought I'd give it a trial for a few months and, uh, you know, see if I like it. And uh, ended up spending four wonderful years there. And you went to a trainer called Jur Lyons on the recommendation of John Murtagh, and he was at a place called Trim in County Meath. Yes, this is true. Um, Joe was a wonderful man, so is his wife, Lynn. Um, and uh, he gave me, he let me pretty much hit the ground running. Uh, I think my second or third meeting there, I had a double for him and uh, was very, very lucky to, as a foreign rider, you know, Ireland's a very small place and they, they tend to stick to their own riders. Um, so as a foreign rider, um, uh, I was very, very fortunate that uh, was given the opportunities that uh, happened. And like I say, I had four fantastic years there. You rode 130 winners in those four years. 44 uh, was your best individual season performance. What were you thinking at that time? I mean, you must have been besotted with Ireland and Irish racing. Were you thinking, this is the place for me? Yes, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I, I was probably in the in in the um, the bad mind of always treating Ireland as a second home because I was quite young. I always treated South Africa as my first home, and uh, you know, looking back on it now, I wish I had treated Ireland as my first home because mm-hmm. it was where I spent you know ten months of the year, um, and I absolutely love the place. Um, I thought that the 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 racing over in Ireland is it's very very competitive um, and the tracks are, are a lot different to to here in Australia mm. um, as all the tracks are quite different uh, turning both left and right um, but uh, you you know you learn so quickly and because you're riding you know around the likes of Mick Canan, Johnny Murta, Pat Smullen you learn so much so quickly you know mm. and uh, I think that it also increased my my competitiveness. You know, you really had to um, stamp your authority uh, in order to get recognised. And, um, yeah, like I say, uh, Ireland taught me a hell of a lot. You got an unexpected surprise during that time when invited to make a quick trip to England by a trainer called Edward Lynham, and you actually won a Group 2 race called the Temple Stakes at a very famous track, Haydock Park, on a horse called Soul Power, and he's probably one of the best you've been on, Keegan. I would say probably, yes, to this day, he's probably the best horse I've been on. I think he ended up winning five group ones. Mm. Uh, you know, he won two king stands at uh, Royal Ascot. But, yeah, um, he was a horse that was a, a very, very good horse. Um, it was actually an Australian horse. When he first won his first group one, there was an Australian horse called Star Spangle Banner, mm. um, who was the odds-on favourite for Coolmore. And Soul Power ended up winning the race at 100 to 1 with another jockey on. Mm. And that jockey couldn't uh, stick to Soul Power for the rest of the season. So that's when I got the call up. And, uh, you know, thankfully the first time I sat in him, he won that that Temple Stakes um, at Haddock Park. And um, he was probably very unfortunate that year because he was a fast ground horse. We were riddled with bad luck when it came to the weather, whenever Mm. it came to Group 1s. Um, I ended up running third in him in the Prix de la Abbey uh, at Longchamp and uh, was lucky enough to ride him uh, in the Hong Kong Sprint as well. Mm. You've had some experience, haven't you, Keegan? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people here in Australia would not really understand the extent of the experience you've had all over the world. 
Yeah, I've been very, very lucky. Uh, I think I've got ants in my pants because I can't seem to to stick to a country. But uh, unfortunately for the for for everybody listening, I think that uh, I have to let everybody in Australia know that I'm here to stay. Mm. Well, you're certainly giving that impression, and when you're riding 101 winners every season, there's certainly no reason to leave the joint. No, not at all. You know, like I say, everybody's been uh, absolutely awesome over here, and uh, I've I've fallen in love with Australia. So has my wife, and uh, you know, we're we're here to we're here to stay. Mm. Well, you landed a short-term contract in Mauritius not long after the Soul Power adventure. Mauritius, of course, has been the mecca of international jockeys for many, many years. Did you enjoy your experience as much as most of the others did? Yes, I think I did enjoy my experience there. Uh, it's quite a different place. Um, you know, there's only one race course in Ireland that races every Saturday. Uh, it can be quite a competitive course because it's such a tight course. Um, I enjoyed the fact that it was, uh, um, you know, in Ireland and it's it's quite tropical and you you legitimately feel like you're actually on holiday, you know, mm. when riding there. Um, but, um, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. I was lucky enough to, to win a, a, a domestic group one there. Mm. But, uh, unfortunately, um, it just probably wasn't a place for me as I was still quite a young guy mm. um, and, and felt like it might be a place to go there when you're just a bit more mature. After Mauritius, you returned to South Africa for a while but you couldn't stop thinking about England and you were very keen to give it a serious shot. So you went back as a freelancer, but this time, unlike your island experience, this was tough going. Most definitely. Um, so yes, I went back to South Africa. Things things weren't working out, probably mostly because I'd, come, I'd become very complacent um, and borderline lazy. Um, and so I ended up going back to England, selling up everything to, to, um, give myself a bit of capital to go to England with and uh, try and start up. Mm. But, uh, it was pretty much banging my head against the wall because, uh, not only was I not getting the greatest opportunities, but also because, um, my confidence was down, you know, and, mm. um, Every sportsman, I believe, needs um, uh, confidence. I think it's a it's a key thing to have uh, in order to perform to the best of your ability. Mm. And uh, yeah, England didn't didn't really work out in the long run. You obviously met Nancy within the framework of racing because she was a track work rider, and uh, I think she worked for a trainer called Kevin Ryan. And I'm told that every now and again you'd find Nancy driving the horse transport, a versatile <laughs> girl. Yes, she was a very versatile girl. Uh, she was well capable of of doing pretty much anything around a, a, a horse racing yard. She's uh, very fond of horses and um, still is to this day. So it looks like when we do buy a property, we'll probably be buying one with a few paddocks. But uh, no, she's so I met her there, uh, and um, you know she obviously saw something in me that I didn't think that I had at the time um with regards to ability to ride and was always supporting me and um she's the one that uh you know gave me the heads up to maybe try something different to go to to come to Australia yeah Nancy knew how strong our racing was in Australia and she felt that you had absolutely nothing to lose and we'll talk more about that after we clear this commitment 
on our Supernova Sound podcast. Back with Keegan Latham after this. Mitovite has been producing high-quality feeds and supplements for all walks of equine life for almost 40 years. Mitovite has become a household name in racing and breeding circles with products like Athlete, Formula 3 and Breeder, time-tested products in the breeding barn and on the racetrack. 26 thoroughbred Group 1 winners this season have been on a Mitovite feeding regime. From humble beginnings on the New South Wales Central Coast, Mitovite has become a world leader in equine nutrition. Infrastructure investment in the production mill and close attention to nutritional science keeps Mitovite at a standard of excellence developed over four decades. Check the website, mitovite.com or follow the Mitovite Racing and Breeding Facebook page. The Mitovite brand has earned the respect of horse people all over the world. Well, Keegan, as I mentioned in the intro, you just turned up one morning at the trainer's hut at Randwick. Pretty intimidating stuff. You recognised Gay Waterhouse. You bowled up and said, could you ride some track work? I don't think she even realised at the time you were a professional race rider. No, probably not. You know, Gay, Gay Waterhouse is... Uh... Of course, uh, you know, an internationally renowned trainer. Um, I really hadn't followed a lot of Australian racing up until coming to Australia. So um, everybody was pretty much a stranger to me besides Gay. Um, and so uh, um, I started writing work for Gay. Thankfully, there was one of her stable employees who, who recommended me to her. And, um, you know, things kind of started from there. Mm. Well, somebody told her you were a jockey because probably a couple of months later, she said to you, Keegan, you better get yourself to Newcastle. You can ride Savapinski in a maiden. You didn't even know we had a Newcastle in Australia. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. Um, I've ridden under Newcastle in the UK quite a few times, so um, it was something a bit different, but um, I was looking so forward to it because... You know, Gay, Gay didn't give me the ride for free because I, uh, I'd i worked really hard for that ride. And, um, you know, I thought it was very important to to show her what it was made of. And uh, thankfully, the horse won. And um, it really it, it really allowed me to hit the ground running in uh, my career in Australia. Mm. Towards the end of 2019, you and Nancy went back to England to tie the knot. And you were married in her native Yorkshire. And for those people who'd like to see the highlights of that wedding day, you've posted some beautiful photos on your Instagram platform. Yes, I have. Uh, it was a phenomenal wedding. Um, uh, we, she, she really wanted to get uh, married in the, the church that both her sisters had got married in, mm. which was a beautiful church as well. And uh, we had uh, a really uh, unbelievable day. Uh, we, I had some family from Australia, uh, sorry, from um, South Africa um, come to the wedding as well. And uh, my parents already live in, in the UK, so it was easy for them. But uh, no, all in all, it was probably the best day of our lives. Um, you know, we had quite a, a big attendance and uh, uh, it's, it's something that we can always, you know, reminisce in from time to time. A study of the jockeys' premiership figures illustrates your rise through the ranks. Now, you rode for only five months in your first season here, 
and you boot at home 17 winners. Second season, 32. Third season, 52. Fourth season, 85. And then last season, a whopping 101. And you finished seventh on the New South Wales Jockeys Ladder. And you were champion provincial jockey for that 2020-21 season. And you were very focused, as you said earlier, all the way through that season. Yes, definitely. No, my manager, Ryan, he's also done a great job um, in, in, in getting me not just good rides, but good rides for, you know, nearly all of the top trainers in, in New South Wales. Um, I've, I've gotten a lot of support from some, from some really decent trainers. And, uh, you know, I think that um, I believe that when you're riding winners, people tend to want to use you because you're a man in form. So, mm. you know, to ride over, over a hundred winners, I think it's very important to be in form nearly all of the time, you know? Mm. And, um, yeah, I was very lucky. It was a, you know, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of driving, but, uh, you know, the awards were, were, were reaped and, um, I, I'm, I'm over the moon to have reached the targets that I've had. And, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to getting back to racing now. So I can, uh, start trying to, to reach some new targets. When you do get the offer of a decent ride in town on a Saturday, I know you agonise over the decision because you hate to let your regular supporters down on the provincial and country circuit. And of your 101 winners last season, I think only 10 or 11 were in town. Yes, it's a, it can be uh, unfortunately a very a very difficult thing in New South Wales, and as as I'm sure it is in other states as well, where um, you do get labelled as a provincial rider. You know, I've I've done really well in the provincials these last two seasons, and um, you know um, I can't thank the trainers enough. But I think that um, as a jockey and, and and as a sportsman, you always want to try and reach new goals and new heights, and um, you know, if if uh, horses do come about that are very good in the, are very good and potentially city grade horses, that I'd like to try and remain on those horses in the city. You know, prize money is very good in the city as well, mm. and uh, I do have faith in myself now and belief in myself that um, I'm a good enough rider to to compete with some of the best riders in Sydney. So, mm. you know, all I can do is you know ask uh, for some decent rides and uh, hopefully some trainers can. Uh, mm. Have a bit of faith in me. Well, there was one Saturday about a year ago when you couldn't get to Rose Hill quickly enough. Your strike rate on Godolphin horses at the Kembla and Newcastle meetings earned you the ride on a horse called Cryoderis in the Golden Eagle. And he had to pick this day, Keegan, to get all tangled up in the gates. Right at the moment the stalls opened, he missed the kick he finished up getting beaten 3.6 lengths by his stablemate Colette. He ran a hell of a race. What happened in the barrier? He did, yeah. He ran a hell of a race. Uh, unfortunately, um, there was quite a lot of rain beforehand uh, uh, just prior to the race, and uh, it obviously just must have got him a little bit flustered. Uh, he tried to kick out in the barriers, um, and unfortunately lost his, his focus on getting out of the barriers in time. Mm. Um, you know, he missed the missed the start by three or four lengths, and like you said beforehand, only got beaten three lengths. Uh, I'd love to have been a, a few pairs closer, but mm. I wasn't fortunate enough. And uh, you know, he ran a, a solid race, and uh, you know, he's he's a he's a very very good horse, I think. Um, 
I think his, his, his biggest problem is obviously giving himself too much to do in his races, but uh, mm. I think there's potentially, you know, a big one in him one day. Yeah, he must be close to a race, Keegan. I notice he's had a heap of barrier trials lately. I think he's trialled four times. Yes, I think he has tried quite a bit this uh, uh, this prep. Um, you know, I'm sure James is eyeing something something up from very very soon. Mm. Um, like I say, I, I, the feel he gave me that day on a bottomless track was uh, enormous, and uh, I think he's got you know more than enough ability to, to 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 knock out a big race one day. Given the amount of time you spend in the car, it's very difficult for you to attend track work on a regular basis. Some travelling jockeys nowadays rarely ride work, if ever. You still make an appearance when you can manage it. Yeah, I do think it's still important to jump on on horses that you will be your future rides. You know, um, I think that uh, it can be important to to learn a bit about the horse's characteristics, so that uh, it's something that I don't have to learn on race day that I already know beforehand. Um, I think that if you can, you know, jump on a horse and and see if it's going to be more of a front runner or a back runner. Um, it's something that you don't have to trial out on race day uh, because you would already know this. Um, mm. Unfortunately, because of the amount of time I do spend in a car, um, you know, riding work can be can tend to be a little bit, uh, you know, um, uh, few and far in between. Um, yeah. But I do try my best to to get to work on a Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Saturday. Uh, to to at least sit on a few horses that um, I can learn something from. You've had continued support from a number of trainers, including Richard and Michael Friedman, John O'Shea, John Thompson, Greg Hickman at Warwick Farm, who was a real Keegan Latham fan, Team Snowden, Matthew Smith, Robin Luke Price puts you on quite often, so does John Sargent. You've had support from a wide range of trainers yeah i've been like i say i can't thank these guys enough um you know um it's been lucky enough that you know myself and manager have worked really hard to to get the faith of these trainers and uh i'm just you know over the moon that i can you know give their horse as best a possible ride as i can so that they can continue to give me rides um mm. but yeah i mean uh, i think it's 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 really nice that there's so many trainers that, uh, you know, look to me in the provincials mainly, um, you know, to see if they can get me on their horses. And, um, you know, I really enjoy being competitive at the highest level. Mm. Mar and Eustace gave you a great opportunity in May of last year when they put you on a horse called Dr Drill in the Scone Cup and a perfect ride saw him get home. It's the one and yeah. only time you've been on the horse. Yes, it was. Uh, we were probably I was probably a bit fortunate with the fact that um, COVID had begun back then, and the city jockeys were stuck to the city, and uh, that was obviously normally a meeting where most of the city jockeys uh, venture to uh, up at Scone. But uh, I was lucky enough to get onto Doctor Draw. Um, Annabelle Nisham was the assistant trainer back then, and as you can see, she's she's done a, a stupendous job as as a trainer herself now. And uh, she had the horse tip-top ready for it that day. And uh, thankfully, I was uh, able to give it uh, as good a ride as, as I did. And, uh, you know, he ended up winning. But um, I've got to speak to Kiramai and uh, try and get in a few more of his horses. I'll say. The horse hasn't won since the Scone Cup, incidentally. I think he's currently campaigning in Melbourne. I think he is. I think he's probably getting a little bit long on the tooth now. 
Mm. Um, I know he's he's earned probably well over half a million dollars, mm. um, and he's been a very good horse to his connections. But uh, I'll have to try and find something else that I can win this going cup on. <laughs> Another major win for you in 2020 was the Magic Millions three-year-old guineas on 11-11. But you had to wait a while to get the result. 11-11 was awarded the race when Alligator Blood returned to Positive Swamp. It's not quite the same. Still, a win's a win. No, of course it's not quite the same. Um, I was probably ecstatic as well as heartbroken at the same time. Um, and I think more more to the point of um, because winning a race like the Magic Millions has um, better publicity than prize money, I believe. Mm. Uh, and publicity is... is uh, pretty much uh, priceless, um, I think. And um, that was the heartbreaking part was that uh, myself and uh, Greg uh, didn't get the publicity that we, you know, rightly deserved. Um, yeah. I do believe I do believe that Alligator Blood is, you know, a very, very good horse. Um, and, uh, but like you say, you know, these things happen. Mm. People sometimes get in trouble and um, we were lucky to, you know, to be on the right end of the trophy. Mm. 11-11 has won seven races. You've ridden him in six of those wins. Is he the best horse you've been on since arriving in Sydney? Oh, most definitely. You know, he's, uh, in fact, it's, he's probably the horse that's uh, really got the relationship between myself and uh, Greg Hickman going. Um, you know, he'd never really been using me at all. And uh, Darren Biedman actually put my name forward to Greg to use me. And 11-11, actually ended up being the, the first horse that I rode for Greg. And so mm. he's been very good to us. Um, even more importantly, I've gotten a very good uh, friendship out of Greg. Um, mm. uh, we speak to each other quite often and he, he often uh, gives me a hard time, as trainers do. But, uh, <laughs> as, but As Hickman can do. <laughs> yes, as Hickman can do. You know, you can't really, you can't really um, – take but he can definitely give and um yeah uh, no but uh, i do i do appreciate the the faith that he's put in me and uh, like you say 11 has been uh, just a phenomenal horse uh, for us most jockeys love a game of golf in their spare time but you've gone to a very unusual diversion from racing you are absolutely crazy about go-karting uh, but you've obviously had to put that on hold during your rehabilitation. You'd be missing it. Most definitely. You know, um, I've always been a petrol head from a very, very young age. And uh, thankfully, I was able to uh, get a go-kart recently. Well, not recently, about a year ago. Mm. And uh, whenever I can get the opportunity, I either take it to uh, one of the one of the local tracks to really uh, open up the engine and... Uh, yeah, what can I say? I'm a bit of a speed freak. Uh, can't oh. help myself. Mm. Unfortunately, I have a few points on the license, which uh, my wife gives me a hard time about. And <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, no, yeah, we haven't been able to take them out for quite a while because of lockdown. Uh, all the tracks have been closed and mm. even more frustrating now because of my, my injury. But uh, don't worry, John, I'll be uh, I'll be putting, filling up with petrol soon enough. I'll bet you will. Another well-known Sydney jockey is very keen on the go-karting business and I think he goes racing with you occasionally, Blake Spriggs. Yes, we actually uh, bought the cars together 
Um, and so whenever we do go, we, we do go together and uh, mm. try and uh, always shave a few few split seconds off of our times each day each day we go. But uh, all in all, it's just it's just a fun day out, and uh, we really enjoy it. Mm. Well, it's been a fascinating journey for Keegan Lathan, hasn't it? From South Africa to Dubai to the UK to Australia, with flying visits to Hong Kong and Mauritius in between, and to think you were within a hair's breadth of handing your licence in. This is true. You know, uh, when I look back and now I think to myself, what was I thinking? But, uh, you know, I'm sure you've you've seen recently that uh, mental health has become such a, such a big thing these days with sportsmen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't really thought of a few years ago, but, uh, you know, when I look back on it now, I obviously was in the right frame of mind when I, uh, was thinking about hanging up my boots and mm. so glad I didn't because, uh, you know, I'm living a, a fantastic life at the moment. Mm. What will be your comfortable riding weight when you make your return? I think when I make my return, I'm gonna be, I've, I've been working hard already. Uh, I've been on diets and, and trying to get my fitness up mm. without giving my neck too much uh, of a hard time. But um, mm. when I come back, I want to be riding 55. Uh, it's a it's it's a low weight for me, but it's a comfort weight. Um, mm. I always believe that um, my strength is one of my biggest fortes, and I really want to uh, be strong in a finish. Uh, I find that if you waste too much, you end up not giving the horse the best possible ride, and mm. uh, I don't think it's fair to to the connections of the horse. Mm. Your rival jockeys uh, are already of the opinion you're pretty hard to get past. Yes, uh, I think, like I say. Um, I've always been taught to, to be as strong as possible. Um, so, some jockeys don't need to be because they've got that, uh, that sixth sense and that talent to be able to get horses to run fast mm. without being strong, but uh, that's not something that I was gifted with. So mm. for me, it's uh, it's all hard work, you know, and uh, trying to get that horse, to pick up that horse to get over the line as, as fast as possible. All right, let's get the date uh, clear. November the 10th will be your next appointment with the specialist further x-rays, and you were hoping he's going to give you the green light on that day. Yeah, so hopefully two weeks after that day, uh, my manager can uh, start taking rides and uh, we can uh, do exactly what we did a few years ago with Gay Waterhouse, and uh, that's hit the ground running. Mm. Keegan, congratulations on all you've done in such a short time. You've certainly made an indelible mark in New South Wales racing uh, delighted that you're on the mend and getting very close to a return uh, to the business you love best. Well, John, I can't, I can't uh, thank you enough for for bringing me on this podcast. Uh, it's a huge help for my career and uh, an absolute pleasure talking to you. My pleasure, Keegan. Keegan Latham uh, speaking with us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. The English Bloodstock team believes the catalogue for the 2021 ready-to-race sale is the best ever. The amended date for the sale is Tuesday, October 26, commencing at 11am. 185 two-year-olds have been catalogued by some of Australasia's most influential stallions with a number of exciting new sires represented. Most importantly, these youngsters have been prepared by some of the most capable breeze-up experts in the Southern Hemisphere. The Breeze Up sessions are in full swing in Australia and New Zealand and you can access a high quality video of each and every workout on the English website within 48 hours of the gallop. 
At your leisure, you can make an assessment of tractability, attitude, action and potential ability of the two-year-olds of your choice. Over 400 individual winners have come from this sale since 2015 and between them, they've accumulated more than $60 million in prize money. For your hard copy of the catalogue, email catalogue at english.com.au or contact a member of the English Bloodstock team on 9399 7999. Remember, the 2021 English Ready to Race sale will be held on October 26th.